Hey, Yao, Bright Boy says he wouldn't say what he thinks it's all about. Hey, you. Come here. i tell you what's gonna happen. We're gonna kill a Swede. No big Swede works over at that filling station? You mean Pete Lund? If that's what he calls himself. Comes in every night at six o'clock, don't he? Yes, if he comes, we know all about that. What are you gonna kill him for? What did Pete Lund ever do to you? He never had a chance to do anything, Dots. He never even seen us. He's only gonna see us once. Welcome to another episode of A Thousand and One by One, where each week we take a film out of the book, A Thousand and One Movies You Must See Before You Die, discuss it, analyze it, and ultimately decide whether or not it should be in the book. My name is Adam St. John. And my name is Ian Whittington. And before we get to talking about the 1946 noir classic, The Killers, we'll give you some, uh, some, some banter and some recommends as we always do. Ian. A while ago, you asked me uh, if I listen if I could listen to a podcast. It was a podcast uh, called What the Fuck, which I don't listen to. I not by like I have nothing against Mark Maron. I just don't listen to it. But you asked me specifically to listen to the episode with uh, Mark Harris. I think yes. that's his name. Yeah. So I did. I listened Critic, to it. Critic. He's married to uh, Tony, Tony Kushner. Yep. Yeah. Um, it was it was interesting to kind of hear his takes on. You know, I'd never. I I, I wanted to bring it up because I guess I never really thought about the difference between film reviewing and film criticism and and i'm they they talk about many a thing in the conversation but that's i walked away going it's so easy to be like a to give like just your your quick film review and like it's good it's bad you know but like real film criticism you know and and i you know i think about i think about maybe two of the the greats with roger ebert and paul and kale and like Really, the the way that they approached film. Oh, and, whoa, whoa, whoa! And Bosley Crowther. <laughs> we'll deal with him in a little bit. Yeah, but, yeah. but uh, sure. Um, but yeah, I just, I, you know, I, it was, I found it. If you're, here's the thing: if you dig film, if you listen to us, or you, you, you're into film, it's definitely worth a listen. I don't really have much more to say, but then I, I listen to it. I enjoy the conversation, and well, it, I liked, I liked what they were talking about as far as like the future of film criticism and um this whole idea of you know there's and and it's 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 frustrating as the sort of casual or or even the diehard film fan looking for these films now in this streaming age yeah where like there have been reviews out for nomadland for example yeah that did that for for ages and now we're only at a place now like i think we're by the time this episode comes out, it'll have been out for about like two or three weeks, maybe yeah. on on Hulu and in some theaters where you can actually go to the movies. Fuck, I miss going to the movies. Yeah, this is a sidebar. I haven't been to the movies since January twenty sixth of twenty twenty, and that was to see Guy Ritchie's The Gentleman. And uh, if this thing doesn't stop, and I go to my grave having that be the last film I saw in theaters, I'm, I'm going to go to the afterlife of a very pissed off person. So start wearing your fucking masks and let's get through this thing. I understand. Because that can't be the last movie I see in theaters. I, I, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, yes, yes. And, and Nomadland was a great example of that, which we, we may or may not be talking about here in a second. Um, but yeah, that's, that, that's, it's, and um, 
and to reference back to you know that the Tarantino Edgar Wright Empire uh, three hour behemoth uh, podcast they do, I loved hearing Edgar Wright, and I get it, I get it. Not everybody is about acquiring the titles, right? But like he he said, he goes he over quarantine, he just blind bought a lot of the movies that were on that list that Scorsese gave him, and he and he realized he goes, I'm gonna die not having watched the, the movies that I that I own, and I feel that way sometimes. But hearing Hearing somebody who who gets to make films and gets to study films and watch them way more than I do say that made me feel a lot better about the choices I've made with with getting them. Because you're right, maybe I maybe I won't get to watch like Criterion, for example, right? When when Barnes and Noble does their thing every year, twice a year, when they go they go half off. I know us, not maybe not all the time, but we will pick up a copy or two of something because that's what we do. I've, I've definitely owned criterions that I have not seen. Exactly. And, and not that I haven't, I've not that I haven't cracked them open to watch the, di- I haven't seen that movie. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I hear you. I, I, yes, I totally get you. And part of me is like, am I just wasting my time and money by doing this? But then I also know, no, I'm not. If for no other reason that I'm trying to, I'm trying to further physical media. I'm trying to further, like you can't just rely on Netflix or HBO max or whatever to have this thing that you want to watch. You know, like I, I, no shame. I bought Drop Dead Fred the other day because I'm like, I don't want to have to be able to find it. I want to just, if I want to watch Drop Dead Fred, yeah, I want to have it. And this, this is the the quandary that I find myself in because I am now at a point where my digital library far exceeds my physical library, and I know I'm taking a risk there. I mean, I'm I'm waiting for the rug to get pulled out from it. Luckily, it's it's been holding steady so far, but. <laughs> I don't know, man. This whole physical versus digital debate—I don't know, man. I don't know where I stand on that. I've got a foot in both camps. No, no I, I, I hear you, and and I, and I do own not—I mean, it, like maybe ten percent of my collection is 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 digital. But, um, so yeah, I, I just wanted to let you know that I did listen to that. I, that I'm, episode I'm glad and, that you did. Yeah. It was a great discussion. Yeah. I think it was a really important discussion about film I criticism. Agree. And I'm really—I don't know that I'll read the book because I, I don't have that much. I don't have that much time anymore. I'm very selective in what I read these days because of just, uh, just fucking. There aren't enough hours in the day. Yeah, I don't have to tell you that as a parent and a teacher. <laughs> but I am definitely. He wrote the the five come back. And I, I will definitely now queue up the the Netflix adapted it into what like a, a six part miniseries. So I'm definitely interested in seeing that. Yeah, me too. I, I, I was originally, but I more so now. Yeah, I agree. And his Sidney is a Sidney Lumet book that he wrote. Mike Nichols. Mike Nichols, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. he wrote a book about Mike Nichols, which sounds amazing. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, so weird tangent, but but there you go. Ian, what have, what have you been watching lately? Uh, you talked a little bit a couple episodes ago about the little things, right? <laughs> I did. I've seen the little things now. <laughs> what do you think? That movie fucking sucks <laughs> so hard in every <laughs> fucking way. That movie is fucking oh terrible. God. It's funny. My coworker Max comes up to me and he's like, "Ian, have you seen the little things?" I was like, I, "That's funny. You asked me that. I literally watched it like two nights ago." And he's like, "That's your kind of movie, right?" Because I tell him how much I love those slow burn crime movies. Yeah, 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 all that totally. shit. Noir, yep. like modern noir, all that stuff. And he's like, "Tell me, tell me, you loved it, right?" I was like, "Fuck no." <laughs> so we had quite a discourse. It's it is fucking awful. But, you know, I, and maybe and you probably will disagree with me, but and maybe it was just the circumstances of feeling because I in the last few months, um, something like like the little things is a good example. Um, even though I didn't like Wonder Woman 84, um, Nomadland, um, there. 
when a movie is was is like kind of released, even if it means on a streaming service, I I I've been trying to approach it with the sense of like I'm seeing a movie opening night, and I know it's not the same thing. But I was just like, look at like three Academy Award winners in this crime movie. I'm yeah. like, fuck yeah. Now and- I will say. Rami Malek isn't as bad in it as you portrayed him out to be. He's by no means good, but he's not that bad. I didn't understand what he was doing. Yeah. Well, I don't understand what anybody is doing in that movie. That's fair. I mean, that's fair. Leto is is creepy and he does creepy fairly well, but yeah. it's I got the, you know what? I got the same feeling at the end of the little things that I did at Tenant. It is a literal representation of a zero sum game. <laughs> And don't come at me with the journey is the I, I know I'm guilty oh, of having no. said it so as well. The, I, the, I can't the, I like Tenet. I'm I, the, but, the journey is the destination, which I feel like the little things really wants to be that and just isn't. No, no. The little things uh, I I you know it's funny, like I'm not I like it for what it is for like the first part of it. I'm in it. I'm fine. Like cool. And I like I like, you know, that uh, police work is a lot of sitting and waiting. And and uh, it's I I like that there's a lot of like going to the corner and and sitting in the car and it feels it feels real at, at those times. And I just uh the the ending, the last 20 minutes, I'm like this is what you were getting to? Yeah, like that's it. I, yeah, you know, and then I, I I listened to the DGA podcast, um, and and uh, I think it was um, it was Karen Kasama was interviewing John Lee Hancock, and um, you know, they mentioned kind of like you know how do you feel about not kind of having an ambiguous ending, and he he, he said whatever about it, but I'm like, we can people can handle an ambiguous ending if you if that's what you want to do, but like, there's ambiguous, and then there's like. What, is there something beyond what's that's, that's beyond the thing. that it's not an ambiguous and i'm not going to spoil it because of how new it still is i mean I, by the time this comes out it'll be off hbo max because mm-hmm. of their 30 day thing i yeah. still won't spoil it yeah it's not an ambiguous ending it would be an ambiguous ending if denzel doesn't send rami the thing that he sends him at the end of the movie oh that yeah. would make it an ambiguous sure. ending but this is a movie that it one wants to have that whole the journey is the destination and it also wants to have its cake and eat it too with that ending and fuck you no it's terrible yeah, i don't I, know what denzel's doing in it i don't know what leto's doing in it like you said I, everybody it's just i feel better i tell you what i feel because i when you brought up that it was set in the 90s mm-hmm. so there's no cell phones there's no gps yeah. there's none of that shit and they have to sit and do stakeouts yeah I feel better now knowing that it was written in the 90s and that that isn't just a device. But by that same token, not making that film in 93 or 94 is probably the smartest thing Steven Spielberg ever did with his career. Because that's apparently that's how the story goes is John Lee Hancock wrote it for Spielberg. Yeah. Yeah. Which, oh, thank fuck. Thank fuck he did whatever it was he did instead. I, you just wonder, you know, again, in the hands of somebody else. It's, I think it's, it's an interesting debate. Of this kind of like auteur theory where, you know, some people directing their own words, it works and it makes sense. And and it's like they're, they're just connected that way. And there yeah. are others who maybe aren't so well suited for it. Yeah. And and maybe maybe this would have been a better movie in a different director's hands. Maybe they tweak it. Maybe they make because, you know, that, that does happen. That, that happens naturally. Yeah. Um, but being a bit too, maybe a bit too precious with your text. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I 100% you know. get that. Yeah. You know what this, the little things is, 
is poor and stupid man's no country for old men. Because <laughs> I keep seeing it. I keep seeing all those clickbaity articles like the ending of No Country for Old Men finally explained. No, oh. no, no, no. It was explained when it came out in 2007. Yeah. If you didn't get the end of that movie, I'm sorry, you're a fucking dipshit who doesn't deserve good movies. <laughs> Go watch the little things. You don't get to have no country anymore. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to heart segue now. But please do before before recommends take the, I, take the air out of my sails. I, on, I only <laughs> have nasty. I only have one thing to mention. Um, so I so we're, this is a Saturday. This is what we're recording. This. So so last night we watched uh, we watched a good year. And you'll if you like if you want to hear about a good year, you listen to Below Freezing. <laughs> um, so that was that was that was last night. Thursday night was my the killers night. Wednesday night, um, Melissa goes. I want to watch something. Something recent that we've seen before, but she, I don't want to overthink. So she wanted to watch something that we've seen before. So we pulled a bunch of movies off the shelf and we did our, we, we do our coin flip thing. We, we pulled you, out. You eight. did, you did my Netflix analog. Well, I, I, sure. I mean, we've been, but we'll pull out, we pulled out yeah. eight. We randomly assign them and then we flip a coin. And it came down to, I want to say it came down to Warrior, which didn't win. And so I owe that a rewatch. I remember really liking Warrior. But the movie that we landed on, I think you're. I can hear you groan. But we, we rewatched Joker. Okay. Um, and uh, I, I, it was so funny. And and I, part of part of me goes, this feels like a very male movie. And I don't. I'm not. I'm not trying to denigrate any women. I'm sure you. Let, but like, it just has that like. You know, it's it's the male protagonist. It's very violent. It's very, you know, it's about, you know, I, there's a lot of violence and brashness into the movie, and it just feels like a very male movie. So, I, I you know, and and I, I Melissa and I saw it in theaters. We hadn't seen it since. So we watched it again the other night, and it gets to the end, and Melissa turns to me, and she goes, I still feel bad for him. And... And it's funny because I it's and I get where if if you don't feel that way that's that's totally fine but like I I do too, and it's not by it's by no means condoning the way he goes at the end of the movie but like I think it really successfully like when when he's on the subway and those guys start kicking the shit out of him and he shoots them it's like well of course that's not good but like you also you you see where it's coming from and I don't know I think it's. I, I, I think it's well directed. I think oh, I think he's on, good in it. Man. I do. I and I get it. You're gonna throw the taxi driver thing back at me, and that's fine. You can do that, but it doesn't just we just in the last it's episode well we talked because Todd Phillips isn't doing anything that's Scor- I'm not just taxi driver. He isn't doing anything that Scorsese hasn't said in like five other movies. That's and that's fine. And it can, but it can still be a good movie. Remove remove it from Taxi Driver. It can still be a good movie, and if and you not liking it is totally fine, but like, well, I think you feeling bad about it doesn't doesn't speak to his character. I think maybe I'm projecting, but in order for me to justify feeling bad for him, I wouldn't have to feel bad for him as a person. I would have to feel bad for him through condemning a systematic problem, which is the way that mental health is just treated in general. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I. And you know, we, after rewatching it, we, Melissa and I kind of talked about it for a little bit. And we both agreed the only thing that that I think really rubs us the wrong way in the movie, in terms of, is mostly a storytelling thing. Where, so there's a moment where he's watching, oh fuck, I, the Robert De Niro show, right? The talk show. They're, he's watching it with his mom, and then he fantasizes. It's a better at movie if they just call it the Robert De Niro show. <laughs> sure. 
So he, he fantasizes himself in the audience and yeah. getting called up, and then it cuts back to him, and we realize, oh, that if you didn't know it beforehand, like that wasn't real. That was just a little daydream of his. And then there's that moment later on where we realize that his whole relationship with Zazie Beats is not real, right? Cheap and, trick. Yes, and and it's the first time that we when we watched it in the theaters. I think we were more. Like, oh, I, oh, that wasn't, you know, I think we, we just, we bought it for what it was. Now having seen the movie and we're watching it, it doesn't make any sense because it, it sets up a world in which we're going to cut back from, from the, the, the fake, from the daydream. And it never does it with her. And it is one of, a cheap trick is actually a great way to put it. And, and outside of that, we really did enjoy it. And, and if you don't like it, I get it. I totally understand. But. In the St. John household, we we still enjoy the movie. I think I think it's pandering. I think it's pandering to a bunch of incels. And I'll we mentioned Mark Maron earlier, so I'll steal his his phrase. I think it panders to the army of unfuckable hate nerds. Well, what about what about the fuckable hate nerds? <laughs> I don't have an answer on that. <laughs> what about what about me and my wife? What are you saying about me and my wife? Ian? <laughs> That's my wife. That's a nice John Mulaney yeah. thing. I like that. That's great. Um, you doctored the samples, didn't you? Provassic. Sorry, I'm I'm deflecting the Joker. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Well, let's move past it. Well, let's let's talk about our recommends. Um, because I don't I don't know how you feel about mine, but I certainly know how I feel about yours. Um, so I'll, let me go first. Sure. Get out of the way. Um, because you're. I'll I'll spoil it right now. This was another one of those disappointments. Oh really? Yeah. Oh wow. Uh, so I'll just I'll well, just hop half. 50-50. I'll hop right to it. My recommend this week is the the recently released on HBO Max, Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, I, I, oh, fucking, I really like this movie, man. Um, if you so if you don't know, it's the story about Fred Hampton, who was the um, head of the Illinois chapter of the Black Panthers, and um, oh, Bill something, fuck, uh, Lakeith Stanfield's character, um, who is. You know, depending on, on how exactly true it is, but basically becomes uh, an FBI informant, sort of maybe against his will, more out of out of necessity, um, and infiltrates the blank the Black Panthers for the FBI. Um, and uh, it's 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 I find it really interesting because at one point it feels like a biopic about Fred Hampton, about um, uh, Daniel Kaluuya's character, but in the other it, the other half of it, it, it sort of plays as this like this guy who is an informant who is trying to just do what he needs to do to not get arrested and, and sort of kind of loving the life that he's, he's getting to lead a little bit. Like it's, I think he enjoys the money side of it for a time, but then also he's conflicted because he also starts to believe kind of in what the movement is doing. And he's like, he's here's the thing. Daniel Kaluuya, I think has the showier role in it. And he's getting, he's getting a lot of nomination talk and I think he's great in the movie too. But like Stanfield is, is I, I he, there's so much going on within the character. There's so much what he's anytime he's he's with the other um, the Black Panthers because he, he he ends up getting promoted to like head of security for this team, and you know you know the audience that he's he's an informant for the FBI, but then he's also he's rebuilding like there's a scene where he, he's rebuilding headquarters after it's been engulfed in flames. I I just I found it really really fascinating and. Um, like Malcolm X in a way, uh, it introduced me to a world that I didn't, I don't know enough about. I just, I, I would, I, there's so much history to try to absorb 
And I get that this is just a film. It's not exactly how everything happened because that's what movies do. Um, I thought it had real style. I love the performances and I, I, it, it felt like a bunch of different movies into one, which sometimes can blow up and not work. But I thought in this case, it really did. See, for me, for me, it didn't, uh, this, this would have been a much better miniseries. I, I mean, it, I can see that, but I I'm also, it, I'm so sick of that. I don't, I don't want everything <laughs> to be a fucking miniseries. Just make a goddamn I, I movie. Think, no, I think this story is too important to be contained within. I, I think they sold themselves short. And, and maybe they did. I, and I, I, again, the, the importance of telling the story, but I do, and maybe it's, you know, do you, I don't know. I, I liked, it felt concise and I really did. I, I liked how they tried to manage both of these stories into it. I really, I really liked it. Yeah, the cross cutting was good. I, I, I'm more invested in the Lakeith story, but I also don't like what Jesse Plemons is doing because he's just generic undercover handler FBI guy. See, and I didn't. It's so funny. I disagree. I disagree with that. Really? I because I think there the, there's the moment when, by the way, Martin Sheen. Is in the movie, and that's and that, and then I couldn't help but draw the Departed comparisons. Is like he's ah. like Jesse Plemons is just doing like what Martin Sheen was doing in the Departed. No, but, see, but I, not as well. See, I just well, okay, well, I don't think Jesse Plemons is as good as Martin Sheen. I think he's on. I think he's. I, should, I think Jesse Plemons in a few years is going to be one of our most celebrated I, I, actors. I hope so. I think he's great. He was I, great. Uh, Game Night. Yeah, oh, God, he's so great funny in that. In that. And he yeah. was awesome in The Irishman as well. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, there's that scene with Martin Sheen, though, and the other guy where they're trying to, like, oh, God, I, I don't know what it, fuck, I, I'm forgetting the specifics, but he's in the office and he's like, wait, I thought we weren't going to do this. And he's like, yeah, no, yeah. no, we are going to do this. And I, I think he plays it well. And then the next time we see him, he's all he's all business, right? Yeah, but I, yeah. get, I think I think there is a lot of behind-the-eyes acting happening in this movie. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, and I'm not saying that you didn't see that or appreciate it, but, like, you know, there's any scene. It's one of those things where, like, the scene after that, when Jesse Plemons and Lakeith Stanfield are in, um, uh, they're in the restaurant. He's like, "I need you to draw a map of Fred Hampton's place." And he's like, "Wait, why do you need to do that?" And 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 Jesse Plemons is just cold. And it's you can read it as just you know surface level acting, but like I think I don't think he wants to do that. No, but I don't he, think. But don't he think is. So but he yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, that I is. Just, and you're right. That is one of the best scenes in the movie. I but just, I think. I think most of the good acting is coming from the other side of the table. I'm. I'm really invested in Lakeith and what he's doing. Oh yeah. I think he's fucking incredible. I, I. I. I love him in that movie. I really liked everybody in the movie, and uh, I, I. Yeah. It I just, don't know. It feels sold. It feels. It's it sold a little short for me. I. I wanted more. It just. I felt like I was getting a, a flavor of something that was painted with with broad strokes, unlike something you brought up, Malcolm X, which is definitely it's, it's got a little bit more room to breathe because it's a longer movie, and so yeah. they can they don't have to paint with such broad strokes. They can be a little bit more concise. I don't know. There's just there's something I can't. I need to watch it again. I'm not gonna lie. Sure, I do need to sure. see it again, but there's something missing from it that I can't quite put my finger on. And I do hate all the fucking makeup that Martin Sheen is in. It's distracting and fucking terrible oh I, it's funny because melissa being a she she really liked the makeup work in it did she yeah oh i'm sorry I, well i i don't have a leg of no on. no a, i it, oh my god have have your fucking opinion i'm going man. to okay well anyways um so anyways so my recommend um is, is is judas and the black messiah um but based on some some technical difficulties last week <laughs> well uh, uh, uh 
let's just be real. Your recommend is also my recommend. So, yeah. so, but you, I want you well, to launch uh, into it. Nomad Land. Yes. Uh, currently streaming on Hulu, yep. or if you're lucky enough to live in a place which doesn't suck, you can <laughs> see it in theaters. Wait, wait, hold, wait, hold on, hold on. Or no, reverse that. You yeah. live in a place which does suck, and you don't have fucking restrictions Thank because you. you live in a state run by fucking morons. Okay, I'm so I would I just would like let's walk that back. Yeah. <laughs> Or if you live overseas where they, they got that shit under control, a la New Zealand. Sure. Because New Zealand rugby is back up and running. And let me tell you how glorious it is to watch sporting events with fucking full capacity crowds. Sure. I'm supposed to, we're supposed to be one of the leading superpowers that we can't. But I'm not going to. So whatever. I just want to. We're here to talk about movies. Do you remember who our president was for the last yeah. four years? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just, I, okay. I, no, I, I, I stuck I, my I, I stuck I, my head I, in the sand I, like a fucking ostrich and went la 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 la. la. <laughs> All right. Nomadland. Nomadland. Uh, directed by Chloe Zhao. I don't know. I looked at her filmography. I, I didn't recognize anything else that she had done, but uh, I read a great interview with her where she talked about her influences. And of course, she gave Malik lots of love and lots of shout outs. And when you watch this movie, I think it's very obvious I, that she is a big Terrence Malick fan. So I, I listened I listened to a podcast about it and, and somebody somebody described it as as Terrence Malick with plot. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> well, Okay, maybe not plot, but like it's, it's like, Terrence Malick with focus. It's Terrence. Yes, thank you. Okay, that's so. I much love better. I love yes. Terrence Malick, yes. but I'll say it. I don't give a shit. Well, I, of, I saw of like the last decade. I saw Knight of Cups. That movie's not good, man. Anyway, so um, two, the the two biggest names in it are Francis McDormand and David Strahan, who is awesome. I love David Strahan so much. I wish he there was another role that would come his way, like Good Night and Good Luck, because that's. He's so fucking good as Edward Murrow. Uh, anyway, but Frances McDormand, this is her movie. It's a, it's a, it's a character piece. Um, she is a woman who lives in her van. Yep. Uh, she used to live in this town called Empire, which went under because the big, uh, is like a sheetrock factory. Gypsum. Gypsum, yep. yeah. Uh, they went under and like pretty much destroyed the, the fucking, entire town. The whole zip code. The whole zip code. God, was that was that bad. Like, crazy. what a way to start the movie, too. That That's just like, it's the perfect... Um, just like brief amount of information you need to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's she's traveling the country in her van. She's getting by the best she can. Little jobs here and there. Seasonal work. Yep, yep. All that stuff. And the bulk of the cast are real nomads. Yep. They're they're real non actors. People who who live this lifestyle. And it's, I mean, that's that's the only way you could do this thing and make it authentic. It comes across as one of the most authentic things I have seen in yeah. years. It's incredible. Yeah. You feel this lifestyle. It, I, so Melissa and I watched it the other night, and um, you know, it was so funny. It, it it did it did so many things simultaneously, which I think is is sort of the the make of a great movie, right? It it made us sympathetic to the people who 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 in a way who choose to do this, right? It's that these aren't necessarily like less fortunate people for, for a lot of them this is this is a, a a choice this is a style of life that they want to live and it it certainly made me backpedal and go i shouldn't just like assume that these people are poor or disadvantaged or 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 or, or terrible or awful or did something wrong to get it's there, one of the right? best movies i've seen in a while that helps you put your privilege in check it, i'll it, fucking say that much exactly and then at the same time like so like there it, it has sort of like a um a real moral, a real something to strive for. But then on the other end, like we didn't even get through the first 20 minutes before we were like, I just want to get in the car and drive. I just want to explore <laughs> the country. Yeah. The way that Chloe Zhao 
and and I I don't have it up in front of me. The there whoever her DP was shot this movie. I mean, this this is again this is a case like last year with with nineteen seventeen. If this doesn't win best cinematography, then I don't know what good cinematography <laughs> is. Clearly, <laughs> it's it's stunningly beautiful. Oh, and again, yeah. it's a very Terrence Malick influence. I mean, you, you're not get, you're. I don't think you're ever going to get away from that that floating camera, which is a character in itself the way the camera moves floats in and out it's it's uh I don't, it's there's a lyricism to the way the camera moves in the same way that it does in in malik movies yeah oh i said like uh cinematographer is has a name joshua james richards don't even i no clue who that is what else, what else has he done if you've um, got him up there i i i do let's see here um I think so. God's Own Country. That's also that's also a Chloe Zhao movie, right? I believe. No, that, that is no. Uh, that's Francis Lee who uh, directed uh, Ammonite recently. God's Own Country is is I think I mentioned it's yep. the movie that Brokeback Mountain should have been. Yeah. Um, so honestly, uh, something called songs my Bro- songs my brother taught me. God's Own Country, the writer, which I I don't know, yeah. and then and then um and this. this yeah. I, but certainly, I mean, what I mean, what a way to fucking announce yourself as a cinematographer. Absolutely, yeah. Fucking yeah, <laughs> yeah. All that stuff out in the desert, and I'm in love with. I mean, I've never been to the American Southwest, but based on what I have seen of it through films, especially the Wait, first time hold that I the was phone. Re- You've never been to the Southwest, no. really? No. Fuck, never. man. Oh, dude. I know. Oh, you. But got like it. my introduction it. to it was through Easy Rider. Yeah. And just fell in love with that part of the country having never been there gorgeous i my well and my my grandparents lived in arizona so at least three or four times in my in my life that i I flew down there and when i was sorry tangent when i was nine when i was in the third grade i got to fly down from seattle to phoenix by myself it was fucking really cool like big day that's awesome and then so they we i stayed with them for about a week kind of just did whatever and then we drove back up and like i i wish i got it was too young to really take take like real appreciation of just how cool this was but we went through the grand canyon we went to vegas we went through zion county in utah we went through yellowstone and then we we circled back up and like that was so cool i got to see so much stuff and like honestly way too fucking young to appreciate it and like i'm just like i'm glad i'm obviously thrilled it happened but God, I wish I could remember it. More. I know. I wanna. I wanna drive through it. It's on my. It's on my list from when all this bullshit's fucking over. Oh, dude. dude. Well, I, I mean, it, it doesn't have you to could be do over. It. I, I could exactly. do it. Yeah. But I, I would yeah. like the freedom to do it in a way where you're not inhibited by certain restrictions. <laughs> yeah. I, I hear. Or lack. Hear. Or or even lack of restrictions where you're taking a risk. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, for sure. For sure. But yeah, I. I, I don't know. I, anyway, Nomadland. Francis McDormand is great. Get yourself a Hulu subscription or a oh, trial God. if you don't yes, have one. Please. Yeah. Please do it. It's good. It's I, already got four Globe nominations. It's got a SAG nomination. At least at least one SAG nomination. Right? Yeah, I yeah. think just for, for her, for Francis yeah, McDormand. Yeah, yeah. Um uh, she's well on her way to maybe getting her third win. Yeah. It would be her third win. I, I you know, I mean I think she'll definitely get nominated. I'm not yeah. sure how how it all stack out, you yeah. know, because it, it's I think I think there's there'll be a nice there's I think there's going to be a nice race between her and Viola Davis and Carrie Mulligan. I think when when the Globes come, I think it'll be kind yeah. of interesting to see how how all the now, chips see, fall. As of the recording of this, I still haven't seen Promising Young Woman, but it does 
I think the Tuesday after we're recording this, it, it's available to buy on digital platforms. So I'll just be buying it. How does how does Carrie Mulligan, Francis McDormand, and Viola Davis stack up in your mind? The Oscar, oh. the Os- the resident Oscar expert. Here, okay. Here's what I would say. I think, I think Francis McDormand is great in the movie. I wonder if it's too subtle. I wonder if it's too subtle a performance. Yeah. And because of how real it is. And because it's a lot of it you is think, you think it's off putting the fact that there is there's really no I don't know there's <clears throat> I, I again I hate using that word brave when it comes to performances but there the, the realism of it I, no I think that's all fine I just it's I can't tell if it's like like kind of hyper real and it, like yeah. it just feels like it's just her on camera in a way I, I don't know if that makes any sense but it's it's such a subdued subtle performance right. I don't know if minus the shitting in a bucket scene. Well, yeah, but even then, that plays so realistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You exactly. know, um, and I think Viola Davis is great, but I I can't tell if like it's just like we're gonna Chadwick is so great and, that he'll and it's, it's yeah. And and honestly, I, I also I think personal preference. I just really fucking like Carrie Mulligan in that yeah. movie. I that is movie the is, movie itself too polarizing for her to get the win though. It will the the debate around the movie perhaps. I, I, I gotta say, if that's the way it goes, that's so fucked up. It, because yeah. it's like, it not only, like, what, uh, what the, Promising Young Woman is obviously about, at, at its core, a really fucking terrible thing. But it's also a real thing. But what the movie does, and what I give Emerald Fennell so much credit for, is it, it it's able to, it's able to take this really tragic, fucked up thing but make the movie feel like a taut revenge thriller. Yeah. Which, like, as a movie, you should... Re- I mean, I, 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 Melissa and I fucking... I mean, that... Again, I, I, we, we've talked about whether or not we're going to do, like, a top ten or whatever, like, you know, but, like, that movie is high up for me. I fucking... Oh, I just really like it. I know, I can't, I can't wait to see it. I just really liked it. By the time we record the next episode, hopefully I'll have seen it. But... But No Man Land yeah. is great. It is. Get Hulu and just fucking do it. Yeah, watch it immediately. Um, so like, it, listen to us and then go yes, watch it. Exactly. So here we are, like over thirty minutes into this podcast, oh, shit. and maybe uh, we're, we should... we're here to yeah, we should probably talk about the thing that we're here to talk about. <laughs> so we are talking about the nineteen forty six film, The Killers, uh, directed by Robert Siodmak, um, who really he directed a lot of noir that really is what he did i i i have two other of his movies i wanted to watch both i only watched one i watched crisscross um which also has burt lancaster in it that's the lead of, of that one fantastic um mm, it's no. fine right. <laughs> it's okay um this uh it was written by anthony Vailor, but it's it this is based on hemingway's short story now did you read the short story I listened to it. Did you listen to Stacy Stacy Keach? Yep, I did. On the Criterion, I did. Yep. Um, which was so I don't uh, I don't want to do this yet. So hold on. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Um, so here is our cast. Um, Burt Lancaster plays uh, I, I, many different people. Uh, the Swede, Ole Anderson uh, goes by Pete for a while, but that's the Swede. That's who he plays. Uh, Avi Gar Avi hmm. Ava Gardner plays Kitty Collins. Edmund O'Brien plays Jim Reardon. Albert Decker plays Big Jim Colfax. Sam Levine plays Lieutenant Sam Lubinsky. Uh, Vince Barnett plays Charleston. That would be uh, the Swede's cellmate when he's in prison. Uh, Virginia Christine plays Lily Harmon? Hammond? Harmon? I don't know. Harmon. Uh, 
the former his former girlfriend and um Lubinsky's current wife and the only actress that appears in both the Siegel and the Seo Mac version. Yes, that's right. Um, Charles Z. Brown plays Packy Robinson, the Swedes boxing manager. Jack Lambert plays Dum Dum Clark. Uh, Donald McBride plays Kenyon. Uh, that's Reardon's boss. Uh, Charles, uh, no, I'm gonna skip. I don't, I don't know who the fuck these people are. So two other people I'm gonna say. Phil Brown plays Nick Adams, uh, who's really only in the beginning of the movie, and uh, Jeff Corey, who plays Blinky Franklin. Anybody else you want to say? It's a a lot of people. I I think you covered it. Great. I love it. You did it. Okay. Um, Accolades. Up for a couple of Academy Awards. Best Director, Adapted Screenplay, Editing, and Scoring, all of which lost to the best years of our lives. Have you seen the best years of our lives? I have not. I haven't either. Is it Billy Wilder? No, it's uh, William William Wilder. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've heard good good things. Good things. Um, It was in the National Board of Review's top 10 films of that year. Hey, Ian, was this film inducted into the National Film Registry? It was in 2008. Look at that. Uh, The only other movie that caught my attention that was inducted that year was The Terminator. Oh, okay. Very similar films. Yeah. Very similar films. I thought so. Um, We haven't had this in a while. This movie has a perfect 100% critical score on Rotten Tomatoes with an 89% audience. Um, It's not on the IMDb 250. Ian... I I have no idea what this person sounds like, but do you mind if I do my best, my best Bosley Crowther? Do it. Take it away. I'm going to read the first two paragraphs. Back in the gangster-glutted 20s, Ernest Hemingway wrote a morbid tale about two gunmen waiting in a lunchroom for a man they were hired to kill. And while they relentlessly waited, the victim lay sweating in his room, knowing the gunmen were after him, but too weary and resigned to move. That's all the story told you, that a man was going to be killed. What for was deliberately unstated. Quite a fearful and fatalistic tale. Now, in a film called The Killers, which was the title of Hemingway's piece, Mark Hellinger and Anthony Vailer are filling out the plot. That is, they are cleverly explaining through a flashback reconstruction of the life of the man who lay sweating in his bedroom why the gunmen were after him. And although it may not be precisely what Hemingway had in mind, it makes a taut and absorbing explanation as unreeled on the Winter Garden screen. That's I a, don't a, know what he sounds like. I'm going to guess it's pretty close. Though. Great. I, I'll take it. Um, yeah, any and, chance Crowder, we could get Crowder to seemed to, he seemed to like it. He was very vocal about uh, the, he loved the performances in it and the, the pacing, I think is another thing he brought up in his review. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so there we go. Um, so I, so yes, I, I, so the, so that's the, the, the movie is about this, this guy, Ole Anderson, who um, is, is basically killed right in the opening and and you can't get around that because that's that's what happens and then there's this they're basically like an insurance investigator wait um, were you worrying that you were going to spoil a movie from 1946 a little bit yeah but whatever i i I, I feel like anybody's going to get pissed about anything so i don't know um so there's an insurance investigator who um is basically trying to see if this and investigate the the life insurance of this guy um and that takes him down a rabbit hole of trying to figure out why he was killed and what happened I'll, I'll leave it there. So um, I will say that I think I recommended this movie for us to talk about because I, I got the criterion and I was really interested because I knew it was a short story. And on the criterion, there is not only the Siodmak version, but there's also the Siegel version and the, the, the student film version by Andre Tarkovsky, who has become a favorite of ours. So and maybe you did this, too, but this is the order I went in. In the same day, by the way, which was I felt I feel really bad and thankful for my wife at the same time who let me just totally nerd out in one day do this. So um, I listened to the short story uh, as narrated by Stacey Keach. And then I watched the Tarkovsky version, which really just is 
the short story on on screen. Um, in terms of like being faithful to what it is, it's like a 20 minute short film. It is the short story. Cool. Great. And it ends and boom, that's where we are. But not made first. That was made in 1956. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. I, but that, how I watched it. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I, I watched the, the Tarkovsky and that's what it is. And then I watched this one, The Killers, 1946. And I don't know. I don't know how to jump into talking about the movie, but like. I, I honestly was like, I, I kind of like what they're doing with this. And again, I and then I took the note and thought, I'm really smart. And then I read the Criterion essay. I'm like, oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> um, because in the Criterion essay, they call it the Citizen Kane of Noir, which in terms of how they it plays out, it's certainly in terms of it's, you know, somebody dies and then we investigate who they were through these through these flashbacks and whether or not it was intentionally ripped off. I don't know. But it felt that way, right? Yeah, yeah. Instead of instead of a, a news journalist, it's this insurance See, investigator. I, I read that too, and I was kind of dismissive because I'm like, well, I, I think what they were talking about is more in like structure more than, say, quality. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I, that, and, and, and prestige. Yes, yes. I, I, I agree. Um, and then I watched the Don Siegel version. The Don Siegel version is... Now, I will preface this because Liz is going to... That was Liz's favorite of the three versions, oh, was the Don Siegel version. Wow. Yeah. Really? Yeah. The Don oh. <laughs> She's going to be so mad at me. Um, I, uh, so, okay, so... The Don so, Siegel version is a hot fucking mess. So you know how at the, at the top of The Killers, um, it says, Ernest Hemingway's The Killers. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and for the Don Siegel one, it does too. But really, the Don Siegel one should say Robert Siodmax, the killers. Yeah. Because I don't know if Don I don't know if the Don Siegel version is is really adapting the short story or the original film. Because it's it is way more closely resembling the film than the short story. Yeah, they traded out a boxer with a race car driver. But but it's so it's so much more than oh my god. I, I don't know how much you want to talk about that. Like, obviously, we're here to talk about the Robert C. Mac version. Uh, yeah, and we will. But I, there are things I do like about the Siegel version. I, are are there? Because yeah. I don't know that I do. <laughs> I Lee Marvin is actually pretty fucking good. In Lee Marvin is good in like everything. Yeah. I I love Lee Marvin. And apparently, this was like Lee Marvin's favorite of all his movies, which that is just is just bad fucking shit. crazy. That is bananas. That's nuts. Yeah, it's B A N A N A S. So. Uh, I, I, now what part? Now what part of the sequel version did you like the most? Do you, did you did you like the version where, uh, when they're hanging, um, what's her name out of the window? It's clearly a miniature set. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. I, I had to stifle such loud laughter because at that point it was like ten at night and my kids were sleeping. But like I, I mean, processing shots are one thing, and I get it. You want to be safe. You can't maybe get. Yeah. Th- but like th- that shot. Is laughably bad. Well, it's not. That's not even the worst offender. Some of the the poor man's process, the rear screen projecting in the go kart sequence, is <laughs> fucking atrocious. For oh, a man. film with, it doesn't matter how much for a film with a budget, it's fucking awful. Yeah, and if yeah. we need, we can't dismiss the fact that the the, the Siegel version was supposedly it was originally going to be made to be for, for TV. TV. Yeah, so you can forgive a. I you can try to forgive. Try, it. try, and maybe fail. Um, but uh, his his partner is that the guy with a great name is that Clue Gulager? Yes. Yeah. He is doing 
some really good bits of business. I mean, he's not a good actor in this. I haven't seen him in anything else. Maybe he's better in other stuff. I don't think he's very, he's not good in this. I mean, he's passable, but he, as far as like physicality, he does some good bits of business throughout oh, the movie. Yeah. I, I, I was, when they're in the steam room yeah. with Norman fell in the steamer and like he takes his glasses off cause they're fogged up. And then he like the wipes them on Norman fell's head and puts them back on fucking great. Yeah. I, I, I'm trying to, I, I'm teaching intro right now, intro to acting. And, um, I keep telling my students, like if, 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 Everything like if you don't know what's working, or if you don't if you don't know why the scene isn't working, give yourself something to do in the scene, yeah. because that will help. I guarantee you it'll help. And yeah, little bits of business like that are great. That you was, know what you need to? I'm not trying to tell you how to teach your class. You need to tell them to look piece at piece of shit. I know, right? No, sorry, go ahead. Peter Cushing. Tell them to watch Peter Cushing performances, like all the stuff he does throughout the Hammer movies. Okay. His, well, his, considering that I haven't seen any of those, I'm not going to tell. Okay, them that. but yeah. <laughs> Well, you should watch. You should watch some Peter Cushing Hammer movies, and then he. I should anyway. I know. Yeah, his his work with props and little things that he does are there. Anyway, tangent. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, dude, I, I don't know what to tell you about this one. The Seagull version is, it's shorter than the Seed Mac version, and it's still too long. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there was enough of um, beating up blind people and i think i needed more of that yeah i yeah, really yeah. did need yeah. some more of that the only part of that movie i really enjoyed was them um kind of plotting out trying to take down the the, the postal car yeah uh, on the like, i liked that i i thought that was enjoyable I mean, it still meant you had to suffer through ronald reagan and it's clear to me now where clint eastwood learned how to act because clint eastwood in a lot of his movies is doing exactly what Ronald Reagan was doing in that. It's all a lot of squinty eyed talking out the side of your mouth. Well, bullshit. squinty eyed. And like, it, there are also times where I'm like, it's Ronald Reagan. Isn't that old in the movie, but I'm also curious. Like, do you know how, like, it, I feel like he's trying to not bend his knees ever. Oh yeah. yeah. Like, it's just like the weirdest, like <laughs> it's, it's catching up with him. And apparently he hated that movie. He hated that. He had to punch uh, the, the actress whose name I'm, I know I'm blanking on her name too. I yeah. feel terrible. Uh, Angie Dickinson. Thank you. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Angie Dickinson. Oh man, I whenever. Yeah, I don't know. The, here's the, what I'm going to tell you. Whenever you're ready to move back to the C and Mac yeah, version, yeah. let me know because yeah. I, 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 it is just a dumpster fire. This yeah. movie. I do. I will say I do. I think it was an interesting idea to actually have a movie called The Killers and then follow the killers. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I. <laughs> And it's tough. Which is a backhanded way to be complimentary, I, I guess. I, you know, I wonder, too, if my opinion would have been different had I not, I mean, literally just watched the one. I mean, yeah. I think I took see, like I a did 10 them, minute I break. did them on separate. I did all three on separate days. See, I, I definitely did not do that. Yeah, I would have recommended <laughs> doing that. I, I, I will say that I do the final shot of Lee Marvin dead on that front lawn is pretty good. Yeah, it's okay. It's fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay. But it doesn't have anything like like coming back to the Seed Mac version, that one shot. Oh, thank you. Of the heist. Oh, that dude. One, it's not a very long one. No. And it's not an overly, it's not an overly complicated one because it's all just on a, a I'm assuming a techno crane. But it's gold. It's good. It's really good. It's really, really good. I, and, and it's, it's not like the movie up to that point was, had been boring or uninteresting, but like from a, from a, and, and, and it does, it really does have that like, that noir push in a lot, yeah. you know, which, which I, it's very indicative of the time. And I, I really do like it. And, and, uh, probably call it cheesy now, but sure. But I, I think it works really well for the story. And again, I thought the, the criterion restoration was pretty good. Yeah. Um, 
But that was, the forty six version looked better than the sixty four version by a lot. Yeah. yeah, but that yeah that that oneer for the heist is it's good. It was really good, and 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 especially for even being like, and maybe maybe this is a, a testament to just how far we've come in terms of like unions and stuntmen and stuff. But like, I, it felt real. I felt yes. unsafe in a way, yeah. which yeah, yeah. which. Let me go on one side and go. I hope everybody was okay. But and then from like just from the, the like from a spectator, I'm like whoa, I was. Well, that's the thing is, I wasn't even aware that I was watching a one a one shot in the same way that you are when you watch something like Children of Men until it was like long over. No, see, I it, like it, I it, went back and I was like, wait a second, was the heist a one shot? And it, I actually rewound the movie and rewatched the heist again. I was like, holy shit, that was see, such a subtly well done one shot. I, I I caught it when when after they went through the gate, the camera was going up, and I was like, wait a minute. Are we still following yeah, them? Yeah, you didn't. And cut. then when they and then when they turned to like the uh, not the vault, but that room where they actually yeah, yeah. robbing them, I was like, oh, holy shit! This has been one whole take, and then it keep, follows them back down, and and they they hide behind the truck. I'm like, oh, oh, I'm I'm digging this. Yeah, that was good. And and at that moment, I go, that's why he got nominated. Yeah, that sequence, hundred percent. If for no other reason, is why he was nominated for best director. Yeah, yeah. So Burt Lancaster, man. I I come to realize this is only maybe the second or third film that I've seen with Burt Lancaster in it. And the other, well, it's, no, it's honestly only the second film that I know of that I've seen with Burt Lancaster. And the only other one was uh, Bertolucci's 1900. Oh, where I, he's, he's in it. That's and, not what I was, I thought you were going to say Field of Dreams. Oh, shit. I, okay, so I have seen three. Okay. I mean, it's been, I haven't seen Field of Dreams since I was like 10. Sure. So, whatever. <laughs> uh. You know how I talk about Ollie Reed as my as my old man Hollywood movie crap. I uh, sorry, you said Ollie. I'm like uh, sorry. Oli- you Oliver. called him Ollie. Yeah. When did on, you when did you get on those terms? We're, he's dead. He's been dead for 20 years, and we're on a first name basis. <laughs> Don't worry about it. A first name basis. Yeah. yeah. You're on a nickname basis. Yeah, I, <laughs> I call uh, I call him Liver. I, I yeah. <laughs> I I had to reckon with the fact I'm I'm attracted to Burt Lancaster. He, you know, I, they, that, he seems like a man, like I've said about Oliver Reed in the past, like it's impossible to light him badly. I get the same feeling about Burt Lancaster. And, well, and it's so because he is, he's also the lead in, in Criss Cross, which is the other noir yeah. I, I kind of watched this, I watched this week and yeah, it, it's, he's an imposing person. Yeah. It's fucking tall. Yeah. Broad shoulders. Yeah. Yeah, look, yeah. Look like, I mean, I know they only really focus on the boxing for a little bit, but like looks like a boxer. Yeah. Looks like he, you know, and I. Yeah, I thought he was pretty well cast in this too. I, I think so, and the fact that it was his like really his his breakthrough role. Yep. Same with Ava Gardner as well. I I didn't realize that it took her. I was reading about them and their lives and their careers. I didn't realize it took Ava Gardner so long to break. So I want to go back to just the, the not the I don't want to go back to the short story, but just like I I do I love the idea of this movie opening. I love yeah. I it's tense and it's taut and you don't know what's going on, but the guys are very serious and those those killers are great. Were you getting history of violence vibes? Oh, yes. Yes. Got strong history of violence vibes from this. Big time. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I was like Cronenberg clearly loves this movie. Um and uh and I and you know it's it's just the way it's all going. Like I said, I, I said a great opening 10 minutes. It really hooks you in. We don't need any answers. Like just, yeah, yeah. you know, and again, and um, something that they changed from the uh, short story that I, for one, appreciated was the, um, the, the lopping out all of the, uh, uh, 
let's just say casual racism in Which the is short story. Very much in the well, Keats reading. Well, yeah, and I wouldn't call it casual either in the Tarkovsky student film. Uh, I couldn't. Okay, I couldn't find. I couldn't find any that the actor playing the cook isn't listed, not credited. It looked like blackface. Is it? It. I. I know. I don't know. I'm not going to say that as fact, but yeah. Uh, it. It. It didn't. It looked. It just looked not right. I'm gonna have to go back and take another look at it. And I could the the the, the, the is it Sam is the cook I think yeah I not credited in the Tarkovsky version so yeah. I don't know yeah oh not good yeah not good but, but it's 1956 behind the Iron Curtain yeah I mean, oh I'm not excusing no, it but no, no, what no, no. the, yeah, what yeah, the yeah, fuck yeah. are you I, gonna do yeah I hear you it's amazing that they even let them make it sure well, that's that's this that's, is the first time I was gonna read in the little blurb that Criterion gives you it's the first time that they let that school make anything. That wasn't, you know, Russian. Yeah, and the fact they got to whistle that that song that they had heard, sort of on the like American radio. Radio, yes, yeah, because that's Tarkovsky. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course, a small role in it. Yeah. Um. So you know, I we kind of been all over the place, and 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 I know we're we're focused more on on the movie now, but that opening though is, I mean, I'm I'm in. Yeah. Clay and Sinker from the very beginning. I love those two actors. The fact. That little, that little, just calling everybody hey, bright, bright boy, boy huh? Yeah. You're a bright boy. Every, everything, everything's on the dinner. I gotta be real though. If if I'm in that diner, I'm getting. If you're serving ham and eggs at like six, done. Give it to me. Yeah, I'm in. I'll take ham and eggs any time of the day. <laughs> that is my good, meal. Good old reliables, right? Yep. <laughs> um, but it was so like, and again, maybe it was because I, I absorbed all this in one day, but like, I, you know, I'm immediately inter- like knowing the short story. I'm like, okay, cool. So now we're past this. So, so now what are you, what are you going to do? How, how do you expand on the story? And I, I like what they, I like it, you know? And I, I definitely would say that you are a bigger fan of noir than I am. And like watching crisscross, I, I, it, I was constantly like, okay, what time is it? All right, cool, 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 cool. Checking on my like, I, it was Look, hard to keep my deal. focus. You know how you know how much I love the Third Man, and we did a show on that. Even even the Third Man, I think, is slightly too long. Sure, the, the noirs do most noirs that I have seen. Double Indemnity, Touch of Evil, all of them do suffer, I think, from pacing problems. Sure, but I for whatever reason, and it, I I don't think this one's any different. No, I I, I agree, but like I I've. I, I was really interested in seeing how it all played out. And yeah. again, I think the premise, we can just, I mean, fuck it. I don't know. But let's just say they stole it from Citizen Kane, right? Let's just, I, fuck it. I don't care. It worked. And it's one, of, it's one of the only ways that flashbacks work is if somebody is retelling a story about what happened in the past rather than just cutting to one. And yeah, it, yeah. it worked for me in this context. And um, yeah, I, I, I liked how every person had a little bit to add to the story. The only time I didn't like it and it was way too like deus ex machina kind of thing was the guy on his like deathbed yeah. happening to be mumbling yeah. exactly what they needed to hear. Yeah. Because I'm not going to say that this was like a perfect movie up until that point or or anything, but like I I was like, come on. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I just groaned. deflated. When, when Blinky was like just telling, yeah. When he gives them the whole heist, I was just ah, oh, come, you were doing so well. <laughs> Why? I, it, yeah, it's it's that's, 
And part of me wonders like how much because we also we didn't mention their their two uncredited writers. We have John Huston worked on the script. Yes, as did Richard Brooks. Uh, he wrote. Uh, he adapted uh, In Cold Blood and Cat in a Hot Tin Roof. So I don't know how much of of that they're responsible for. So I don't want to lay it all at Anthony Vailer's feet. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, it's it. The movie. I'm not gonna lie. The movie did lose me at that point which it's such and a it, and it took a little while i'm not gonna lie it took a little while to get me back yeah i think it really does it, until um until kitty kind of comes back into the yes, fray that's exactly where it got me back yeah yeah it, it man it it's so i i'm really glad that we're at least agreeing on like some of these like some of these yeah. things because it's like i i i i you know and it's the idea of kind of this he's not not a punch drunk boxer but like the way that he the way that um, Ole Anderson is acting with Lily at that dinner party and like constantly gawking at Kitty, it tells me everything I need to know about this guy. Like he's he seems really like I don't know how to say it. like he could really only focus on one thing at a time. Yeah, and yeah. at that moment, Kitty is drawing his focus, and it just happens to be the thing that keeps his focus for a, a really right. long like time. Boxing, fucks boxing him over. is the best thing that he can ever. Is the most successful thing that he can ever aspire to be. Yeah. and it's not something that you should go out of your way to be punched in the head every night for a living. Is not something you should aspire to. I'm not taking anything away from the skill that's involved Ex- in boxing. Yeah, yeah, but. yeah. But but there's obviously a lot of risk with that too. I mean, yeah. you know, you're not. Uh, no, I'm not going to say that. Um, but yeah, yeah. But actually, I. I, I kind of wanted more of the boxing. I I it yeah, looks boxing pretty. Stuff is really good. Yeah, I I love shot. There's a shot that I really love. I don't know if it's my favorite shot in the movie, but it's from the it's from his uh, his manager and his trainer's corner, shot very low down, looking up into the ring. That's some really good. Uh, that's some really good framing. Yeah. No. I again. I don't think the Oscar nomination was was like a. I, you know, and, and it's hard to know how the Academy worked back then and, and who got nominated for what. But like, I, I think the direction, the actual like the camera work of yeah, the film yeah. was was really good. And actually, I'll tell you right now, my unsung hero is Woody Bridell. Uh, am I saying his last name right? Woody Bridell, the DP. Yeah. Um, I really liked I, I did. I That camera work, it it's the perfect movie for it. I love how how smooth and steady it was. And, and that one or alone. I mean, I'm just fucking I'm. I loved it. Yeah, I'm. I'm, just, I'm not just trying to piggyback on you, but yeah, I'm with you on on him being the unsung hero. I've been doing a thing on the episodes lately where I do uh, in front of camera and behind the camera. Sure, unsung hero. I I really like Edmund O'Brien, and at the end of the day, it's as much as Burt Lancaster and Ava Gardner are the stars. It's his movie. Oh no, big time! Actually, I had that. I towards the by the end of the movie, I had a note saying. How did they get top billed? Especially if they're unknown. Yeah. We're following. Whereas Edmund O'Brien was established. Yeah. And, and that, and like, it, we really are. I mean, I mean, I mean, yeah. It's a proce- it becomes a procedural film with him driving the narrative. Yeah. I, my, I'd say if, if I'm going for in front of the camera, I really liked Sam Levine as Lubinsky. I, I liked. Good. And he's very good. It's a smaller role, but I really like what he's doing. And I, I well, love I would, that. I would di- call him the thankless role. Sure. Okay. Yeah, that's true too. I mean, I I just love what he's do- like, the way that he's totally fine with basically being like Lily's second choice in a way. Yeah, yeah. But like, he's there's no resentment. There's no nothing. He's just I got to I got to have her. I, yeah. I'm here and I'm doing my life and and he wants what's be- at the end of the day he wants what's best for his friend. Yeah. And he is bent out of shape. He does want to know why he was killed too and why he just took it. Yeah. I mean, I got to be honest. When I when we did the third man, 
I, I like the third man. And I, I said yes un, unbegrudgingly. Maltese Falcon, I was a little more... I was like... Ah. Yeah, I know. You and I were both on the fence. I was, I, it, was, it was rough. And so for whatever... And because of my other... The other noirs I've seen in, in the past, especially like even watching Criss Cross like a few days before this, I was like, it kind of... It made my anticipation kind of low. And I was like, oh, man. Yeah. But for whatever reason, and maybe in the way that like Citizen Kane sort of revolutionized storytelling in, in that way that it told the story, this felt nice. It felt refreshing for a noir to kind of go this route. Yeah. And I I was I I was basically I was in it from the beginning. And outside of the 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 mumble, here's everything you need to know moment, I it all I works. I really liked it. Yeah. yeah it all works. It ticks. If you are if you want a solid end-to-end noir, it ticks all the boxes. Cinematography, uh, the, the the damsel in distress that turns out that she's, you know, more than, than what's on the surface. You've yeah. got the great procedural sort of nature. And I will say. You've it, got get, gangster. You've got color like me, intense gangsters. Color me stupid, but when it turns out that that she and, um, uh, what is it? Oh, fuck. What is the big, big bad's oh, name? Oh yeah, yeah, big, gotta, big Jim Colfax. Yes, yes, Big Jim Colfax. That they really have been in cahoots the whole time. The whole time. I didn't see it coming. That might be the best scene. Is where she is begging him at the end to say, "Kitty is innocent," and it's shot really well. Yeah, that those like, two extreme close-ups where their faces fill the entire frame. Yeah, that's just that's great camera work. Yeah. I, I, I yeah I don't know I I you know and I had things you know I had like um we were never more than eight and a half feet apart so so we're now it's it's his cellmate and like there there are times where the dialogue isn't great because I I He's, said if if it's not blinky I'm not a fan of the Charleston character well I'm not really either but like I like the line we were never more than eight and a half feet apart and then there's a, like there's a dissolve to the jail cell yeah. and I'm like oh I yeah I get it that makes sense which is a great establishing shot it is from outside but the then cell they too. say. That's how big the jail cell was. I'm like, well, fucking duh. Yeah. Like, it, that was another kind of head scratcher. Like, yeah. okay, we we less less we is more. It. Guys, yeah. Come on. Yeah. And his whole thing where he's like, he's doing the thing where you know I'm not gonna talk. You know, Charleston. He's referring to himself in the third person. Which one? Fuck you. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> and two, he's like, I'm not gonna say anything. And then he's he's getting more drunk. And then like 60 seconds later, he's spilling the beans. Like it took no effort for him to get drunk and to like he's a total teetotaler and yeah. just spills the beans immediately. There was like it wasn't that that flashback isn't really earned, which is a little bit frustrating to me. Yeah, because it is. It is in itself a good flashback. I just wish we had gotten to it in a slightly different way. And then when it cuts back and he's talking about dates, he's like, Haha, the only date I remember is 1492. Shut the fuck. That is yeah. a terrible line. But then like, but um, uh, Ed, Ed, Edmund O'Brien gets, I, I love it's. I, I don't know if it's the first time he comes back to his boss or the second time, but he goes, so am I still on the case or did I just quit the Atlantic uh, casualty company? I'm like, that's that's some fucking balls right his, there, man. His character is his character is really well written. He goes through this change that happens at the end where he turns into a tough guy in the last twenty minutes of that movie. Yeah, and like out of out of necessity, or I don't know if it's out of necessity or whether it's being exposed to this world is changing him. But I, I really like it. Well, and, well, because pr- I mean, prior he he you know he had he had a gun his gun taken away drawn on him he was yeah. like hit in the head like I think he. 
you know, maybe that's the moment where he realizes he's in too deep, right? Yeah. He's no longer an investigator. He's now he's involved. Yeah. You know, and so it's it's become real he, for him. He, he turns like full on Humphrey Bogart at the end with with Ava Gardner. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. Some some definite Bogart vibes in oh, that last hell scene. Oh yeah. 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 That 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 whole scene in the club is is great. I love the walk down that's all shot in the mirror until they get to the bar. Yeah. That's good, man. And and then the reveal that Levine's there. Yeah. Waiting. Yeah. Oh yeah. We get our little shootout with the the two killers, and I, and I really like that the guy with the the mustache, the the shorter one of the killers. Yeah, he's great. I I want to say that is that Max? Yes. Okay. Yeah, William Conrad. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, I yeah. Those... I don't know him from anything else, unfortunately. I looked at his IMDb, and there was nothing that really jumped out. The other guy, Al, he's been in a handful of like big things, like he was in Kubrick Spartacus. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Charles McGraw. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, but Max, the guy who plays Max, I recognize him from anything. Are we are we running out of steam? <laughs> well, I don't. It's like I don't. I don't know how specific I want to. I want to be. You know, like I get. Like I mentioned in in the train spotting episode, I, I had one very and yes, very nitpicky thing that I didn't like in the movie. But otherwise, I enjoy. I, I I've, I've always loved train spotting. But like again, when I think about this. I, I don't I don't like the mumbly. Let me give you. Let me just tell you exactly that, what you need. That's much less of a nitpicky thing than than on our train spotting episode where you're talking about how like oh it's just this kind of silly, dated you know touristy thing. I mean that is that's like properly affecting the plot and and changing the dynamic for the rest of the movie. Yeah, and it's cheap and easy and garbage writing. Yeah, yeah, but but I mean. But I mean the only comparison I'm trying to make is that there I I can't there's not a whole lot that I'm like nah it didn't work for me right like yeah. that it's that it was very lazy the writing in that scene and and yet Charleston isn't the strongest actor and that that's fine too but like otherwise I'm like I'm in I I, I really I like the scene where they're basically all waiting in the like the hideout and they're playing cards it's like I don't want to play cards with you, you, you your reputation like, what yeah. are you trying to say like, yeah all that, that all that back and forth is is really good I you got yeah. a reputation as a troublemaker yeah or you make some trouble I you know and and it it all plays out and it's it's and it's again so funny I, sorry I got I got a reference back to me being a teacher again but like I keep telling I tell my students I go. Just because your character says something in the show and in, in whatever scene you're working on doesn't mean that it's true. Don't assume that that what the character is saying is true. And it reminds of, of Kitty's um going to uh when and Kitty is talking to uh uh Reardon and is saying like, Oh yeah, no, I I, I that, that night the night of it, I he was the last one I went and told, and I I told him all about it. And like if if on the surface if you if you believe her, it's like, uh, sure, yeah, okay, that then that's what that's what happened, and of course, obviously, that's not really the full story, and um, and and we we see where that goes. I was invested enough to where I believed it, and I was. It was this movie, honestly, it was for all its faults, and it does have a few. I was genuinely the ending was refreshing. Yeah, despite the fact that it's a movie that's literally fucking seventy. How old? No wait, how old is this movie? Forty six. So, sixty something. 70 something? Yeah. 75? Yeah. There yeah. you go. That we yeah, we can do math. 75. For for how, anyway, point is for how old it was, <laughs> I I was it was refreshing just how invested I was and how surprised I was at, at the ending. Yeah. I mean, this movie's got real 
fucking staying power, man. Yeah. And then I just, I let me, I want to gauge your, your reaction to this. So how did you feel about that? You've earned a break. It's Friday. Don't come in until Monday. That's good. Ah, uh, and he gives it like his, his reaction is it's so it felt like why I ought to. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll see you Monday. The thing, the thing about that is though, is like my boss has made that joke to me. Like, <laughs> That's one of those. That's one of those classic sort of like, tongue in cheek. It, it works. Yeah. It's cheesy and whatever, and you both giggle about it. You know how fucking stupid it is, but yeah, it works. Yeah. The only and I, another. I mean, the only thing I didn't. I guess another thing I didn't like about the movie, but it's not that I didn't like it about the movie. I just I hate it when it happens in movies anyway. And how how anybody would still fall for this is crazy to me. But like, do not hold a gun at somebody. Have a conversation with you're talk, them. You're talking about the scene with Dum Dum. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like two feet away. You never get that close. If because you can you can make that same threat six feet back. Yeah. Don't don't do it. You know how fast those bullets come out of that gun? I, I hear pretty quick. Yeah. That's that's what I've been told. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. You can't stop it or jump out of the way. Um, weird. Again, weird tangent. But that's what that's one of the, the little things that makes Kiss Kiss Bang Bang such a great movie. Have you seen that yet with Val Kilmer? Not and... in a long. Oh, I've seen it. Oh for yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, there's not a scene in a while. where like a random generic henchman has a gun to Val Kilmer's back, and he's they're walking. The, the guy is walking him and De Niro. Uh, not De Niro. De Niro. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Downey, Downey Jr. And it's like, man, did I ever tell you why you shouldn't do this? And then he like grabs the gun and turns. And that's why. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, yeah, you don't need to do that. You yeah. don't, you, it's, and, and maybe, maybe you're good enough with a gun that you, you would be able to get the shot but off this before, but, but it works because this isn't Reardon's usually, he's a fucking, no, he's a, a, a corporate stooge investigating and why, and life insurance policies. My, my comment is more like, I just don't like it when movies do that. Yeah. Like yeah. it's just, it makes me go like, ah, oh, you fucking dumbass. Just, just scoot back. Yeah. Just scoot back. Yeah. But you're, but, but but yes, in terms of the story, yes, this is not his forte. This is not he's not frequently brandishing a gun at somebody. No. But yeah. But I don't I don't know, man. I tell you another scene I love while, yeah. we're, while we're gushing is I love Burt Lancaster smashing the shit out of that hotel room. Like I'm I'm in. Like at that point in the movie, I'm fully in. Now this is when we still don't really know the full story, right? Yeah, Early yeah. on the, with the, the lady what I'm comes saying, in. Why and... I've got a, a crush on Berlanka. His physicality in that is incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's a bit over dramatic where he like throws the chair through the window. It's like he's gonna toss himself out the window. But yeah. yeah chalk it up to the melodrama of the day. Yeah, but, exactly. But, but it but still works. There's he had a real undeniable presence and physicality. Oh, for sure. Is what I when what I'm walking away from this movie going is I need to see more fucking Burt Lancaster movies. For sure. Yeah. I've never seen From Here to Eternity. Yeah, I haven't either. Yeah. I, now, I, I hear and, The Swimmer is incredible. Oh, I don't think I've even heard of that one. Yeah. Yeah. But from yeah, From Here to Eternity is one of those like yeah, that's like one of those classic best yeah. picture yeah, yeah, films. Yeah. Sinatra and who's the other who's the other main guy in it? Oh shit, you're asking the Bucket, I don't that's know. fine. Yeah, yeah. Um so so yeah, I mean I think we, we've talked about our I mean my favorite shot is the one I, I can't even deny it that is oh, yeah. absolutely why, my favorite why would shot. you choose anything I mean I got lots of others that I like yeah, like yeah. I said the boxing ring I love the there's a scene afterwards where Sam is trying to convince him hey man you're never in the, within the flashback you're never gonna box again you know that hand's so fucked up if you even punch a balloon you're gonna break it again yeah. and he walks into he walks into the light which is a, kind of an obvious sort of metaphor but I, I still really like it yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I yeah, I think I, I think we've come to the, the question that we we drive to every every episode, which is Ian, should the killers be in the book? Now, herein lies the rub. Ah. I liked this movie a lot and I do not regret watching it, but there are a couple other big glaring noirs of this type that aren't in the book, and Rafifi is one of them. Oh man. That's but I here's the deal. I liked the killer so much. I I've been looking for a way to like talk about Rafifi on this show for a while and I may have mentioned it. And I thought this was going to be the one, but now that we're here I don't know that I can do it. Yeah, it's it's it sucks cuz you don't want to yes. And and it's it's funny cuz I you know, I have been wanting to do this and I probably won't be able to do it till like the summer when I'm not teaching at the moment, but like I really want to go through the book and like you know, mark off the movies that I haven't seen. Yeah. And and kind of look at them and see what they're what they're generally what they're about and stuff and just because I think I think I know that the 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 book is so early film history heavy that I I I there has to be other kind of noirs that you could take out. And and we're obviously we've only scratched the surface of the book and who knows exactly what how much we'll we'll dive into that. But like, should Rafifi be in the book? Yeah, but at the expense of the killers? I, I don't I know. know. I don't think so either. I, I'm sure there's another noir-ish type of film that can come out. And so I and I think if we if we're being very hyper literal about the question, should the killers be in the book? I think I, I think, think the yeah. answer is yes. Definitely. A um, few glaring things that we mentioned aside. Yeah, it's a fucking solid movie, man. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. Well, look at that. I didn't know. It's so funny. I, I never know if we're gonna disagree on something, yeah. and and lo and behold. I think I think the same things spoke to us, uh, which is great, which is fantastic. It's nice. So we didn't have another raging bull situation. No, we didn't. I'm not sure. Actually, no. There's there's a movie slated for this year that we will we will oh, absolutely I'm, have. I'm very that. excited to get to that. Um, but hey, we're not there yet. And and what we want to know is what you think of the killers, um, and, and what you think of noir in general. We've this is not our first noir. We've talked about Third Man and Maltese Falcon. So, Touch of Evil. Touch of Evil. Yes. I I guess I don't know why I, I don't think of that as a noir so much, but it does it. I know that it is. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so that's what we think. We want to know what you think. So please find us on Facebook and on Twitter. Hit us up. Let us know. You can find us on Stitcher and Spotify and Google Podcasts and, and, and Apple Podcasts and all those great places. Uh, you want to support the show, you can find us at patreon.com slash 1001 by one. Speaking of which, we will be having some Patreon episodes coming up in the near future. Our Patreons get to pick the movies that we will talk about on an episode and we will be talking about them soon. So if you want to be one of those people, find us, uh, I think at, at five bucks a month, you can pick an episode. It's amazing how that works. Um, and stay tuned next week. We are jumping way back into the future. Uh, a recent best picture winning film. This might be a split decision. I'm not, I'm not sure how you feel about this movie, to be quite honest. I'm going to, I'm going to keep my cards close to the vest. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, but Hey, we're not there yet. And until then, I am Adam and I'm Eve, and we will see you next week.